You're listening to 101.9 FM KPCRLP Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and now a word from our sponsor. Who's your sponsor, you ask? Well, it is my workshop, Kickstart Your Novel for 2023. Only $15 for this writing course that happens on January 14th on Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. You are all invited. Do you have a novel that you need to like get back on that you put in a drawer? Have you have you not finished a complete novel? Do you not even have an idea, but you're like, this year I'm writing a novel? This workshop's for you. Go to TonyDuchesne.com or DrinksWithTony.com to register. That is $15 for a Kickstart Your Novel workshop. Segway, Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks With Tony. Today on the show, we have Alyssa Basiste. She's the author of Hysterical, a memoir. And we discuss why college students should do more drugs and have more sex, the laws of attraction, the genius of Allie McBeal, radical acceptance of her father, teaching comedy writing, and so much more. Hi, I'm Alyssa Basiste, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Hi, you're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Alyssa Bassist. She's the author of Hysterical, a memoir. Alyssa, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm well. You're hailing to us from Brooklyn. All the way over here representing. Oh my God, and Happy New Year. And to you. We yeah. made it, 2023. Did, now, <laughs> now, when you were growing up, did you ever, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 53. So I didn't even know if I was going to make it to the year 2000. So I think everything after the year 2000 is like an extra credit. I remember the year 2000 and taking all my money out of my bank account, <laughs> believing that the great glitch would happen. Yeah. Y two K. The kids don't understand how important Y two. I got paid so much money to set up servers to be ready for Y two K. That's that's where I was back in the day before I decided. You know what? Money money is not worth tech support. Let's be a writer. <laughs> so, yeah. Because <laughs> because I want to be broke for a long time. <laughs> that was my dream as well to be broke. We did it. They don't tell you that in school, do they? They go, you're going to be a big time famous writer. And you're like, oh my God, I know. I was going to be a big time famous lawyer. Really? I wanted to follow in the footsteps in the short skirt of Allie McBeal. Okay. Yeah. That's a good footstep and short skirt. Yeah. And and that was my dream. So it was really Allie McBeal. You were watching that growing up and went, I need to be that. Yes. She was amazing to me. She was sad all the time. She had all these feelings. She danced and sang, and she was a badass boss lawyer. Did they actually have singing and dancing numbers on that show? Wow, you just outed yourself as not watching Ally McBeal? Yes, they sang and danced quite a bit, and that's what set them apart from other television shows and other law firms. Interesting. That's pretty cool. It holds up. I think I rewatched it right when I moved to New York and it mm-hmm. really hit the spot. I was going through a breakup and it was exactly what I needed. And I recommend it and prescribe it to everyone going through a breakup. Okay. 
What about a breakup and a nervous breakdown? I tend to have both of those at the same time. Yes, that's perfect. That's exactly Alan McBeal is perfect for you. Sounds good. There's uh, another uh, TV show out there called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. They did a lot of um, dance and dance numbers and stuff. Yeah, that's a legit musical. Mm-hmm. Allie McBeal is not that. It was something else. It was something pre-musical. I loved it so much. There was this p- pianist and songwriter, Vonda Shepard, who like sang all of these classic hits in her modern take. Mm-hmm. And sh- the show was very like well-known for her specifically. And I love Loved her. She was a cameo star on every episode performing Mm. for them in this bar that they always went to where they did karaoke Mm -hmm. and they would dance in the bathroom, these incredible choreographed numbers while being so witty. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm really going to have to watch it. It sounds really cool. I was on the set a lot for uh, crazy ass girlfriend because I was kind of a regular extra (gasps) and, um, so I got to, I got to, I got to be around those dance numbers and stuff and it was just it was like wonderful to um you know to to even like kind of you know hear the cueing of the boop 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 and then <laughs> what was your character your background character Oh I was just I was I was like guy in bar but um but they went to the bar <laughs> a lot but actually actually I'm in the show a lot but with my head turned because uh, the assistant director on that was the assistant director on the film I wrote, Jesus Jerk. So I like needed money fast. And he's like, well, why don't you just come be an extra on this show? So I was like in a ton of episodes, but my head was always turned around so I wouldn't be established. And then I got established in the bar. And then I was always called when uh, when they were on set in the bar. So In the sports bar? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to focus like maybe three episodes where like people will be like, did I just see you on a crazy ex-girlfriend? I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> if you think it's me, it's me. because <laughs> Now I need to rewatch and look for your head. No, you, no, you don't. <laughs> I've been, I'm due for a rewatch anyway. I love that show very much. And the songs are often on my yeah. shuffle. I was happy. I'm not in focus a lot on one, but there was one where they did a fake Spice Girls um yes. and and I, i'm in the bar on that and that where the girls are like messing with us and just doing all those takes and the choreography and and the choreographer was like i got to meet the choreographer and it, she was just so cool and she was you know there were they were working so hard on that show it was and it was so wonderful to kind of just feel the essence of it and the crew was just really cool you could just tell i just love it, it that's like that's the first thing i ask about a lot of things is um was it a good set? Because, because mm. you know, there's terrible sets out there. There's infighting. There's, you know, most of the time it's dreary. And, but Crazy Ass Girlfriend, it was just, it was a set that was like, yeah, we're, we're working, we're working hard, but it's all love too. And I was just like, oh, I love this. I love being around it. That is such an important show for so many reasons. It's whip smart. Yeah. Delightful. And it does so much work destigmatizing mental illness and like talking about it in a way that is helpful and informative and entertaining as opposed to like demonizing and all the negative ways that mental illness is portrayed in our culture. And I just love that she is able to talk about it in such a funny, smart, compassionate, entertaining, musical way. Like I, like, ugh, 
I think that show deserves all the Emmys. Yeah, they they were getting pretty good nominations. Um, I, I think if they weren't on the CW, they probably would, you know, if it was a Netflix series or something, it was just a little too early for the, it was like right on the cusp of that. They would have got renewed a few, a couple more seasons, but mm. eh, you know, in this, in this day and age, we're lucky that anything gets made, you know, <laughs> or, or I published. Know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so lucky. I got to be on two sets and I write about them in the book and one being very positive and another being very negative. And it was like all the difference in the world to be a background actor who's like yeah. nobody yeah. on a good set and on a bad set. I, I saw that they didn't even pay you for one. Yeah, that was the bad set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I I don't show up anywhere for anything like that if I'm not getting paid. <laughs> I don't even know that unless I wasn't it's a friend. Paid. Unless it's like, <laughs> yeah. unless it's like, I I um I I did do uh, Jesse Michaels, the lead singer of Operation Ivy. He did a short film, and I was background on his set and just stayed there for eight hours because I just love his work. So I'm like, yeah, I just want to be around you and see your stuff, and I'll be I'll 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 be a out of focus guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just told me I wasn't getting paid when I was done working and then I was like oh crap what yeah was this like an indie production where is this actual like uh no it's like a real deal movie the Tim and Eric man Tim his movie the comedy which was screw the real them. movie I know screw well, Tim I know. and Eric and screw the comedy of the movie because <laughs> you don't treat people like that I tried to hate them, but um, I really love their comedy. I love uh, them too. No, I'm kidding. I don't I know, know who they are. <laughs> oh, they're so funny. They're such weirdos. They're yeah. absurdists. And I uh, I happen to really like them a lot. Um, we ran out of money at lunch when you were here. You ate too many Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> you just sucked up the craft services budget. We can't give you a thing. <laughs> I recently got into Brussels sprouts. Oh, what are you drinking? We're doing drinks with Tony. Yeah, yeah. I'm drinking Tahava tea. Tahava tea. Ah. It's nice. It's black. It has caffeine. I'm drinking Fiverr Energy Extra Strength. It has vitamins, nutrients, caffeine, and it's sugar-free. Oh, we're, 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 we're so like... <clears throat> we're so stereotypical i like it's like <laughs> i just you when when you when you're like oh, oh hey can we uh can we go a half hour later i'm like of course because that gave me time to do yoga <laughs> oh it gave me time to nap with my dog and meditate <laughs> <laughs> hello that's what we do <laughs> yeah i started off the year so great i've already meditated every single day this year every day which is crazy mm -hmm. It's like, <laughs> yeah, so I, I've done, um, cause I'm doing a 30 day yoga thing and I started yesterday. And so today was like, but I've done yoga before in the past, but I'm like, you know what? I need 30 days, 30 days in a row to get totally back into it because it's so, it's just, it's so, it's so good for beyond what it does to the body. It's just so good for the mental health, especially my mental health. I got to stay on top of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yoga was my therapy on top of my regular therapy for so long. But then I got a herniated disc that I also write about in my book, Hysterical by Elizabeth Sist. 
and I had to switch to Pilates. And I love Pilates very much for what it does to my body and my strength and my core. And I feel like protected in a way that will last me a lifetime, but it has none of the therapy elements. No one in there is talking about my inner being. That's that's my favorite part. It's just like I know. I, I, even today, she's like, when we're doing this, we're massaging our organs, and then we went. And I'm just going, oh, I am such a hippy dippy spiritual dude for this. I love it. I love. It. I'm like, I am not a cynic or um, a critic at all in yoga. I just like accept it all. Namaste. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love to talk about all the chakras. Oh um, yeah, I'm so into it, and I wish. Pilates does that more, but Pilates is just, it's way more workout sport. Just it's, there's no religious, spiritual, therapeutic element. And that's hard for me. When we see something that has demand, we need to, we need to um, present it. We we need to put something together, spiritual Pilates. That's what we need. We do need. I'll do, I'll do the West coast. You do the East coast. Got it. Create an empire. But that means we both have to learn how to teach exercise. Oh, it's easy. Just breathe in, do that thing. Read off the card. You just read <laughs> off the card. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. Ow, I think I busted my hip. Well, you're going to have to have surgery, but that's not my problem. You sign the waivers. So there. <laughs> yeah, we just got to get him to sign the waivers. Right, right. <laughs> okay, cool. Great. Good plan. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're mentally unstable, this you will become worse. <laughs> <laughs> Just like have it all in there. <laughs> we tried. When did you when did you get out of your alley McBeal fascination of lawyering to writing? <clears throat> or did it go okay. straight from there? Was there a was there another no, it went, it went straight from there. Yeah. I do write about this a little bit in the book because I really wanted to be a lawyer because I was a good writer and writer was not a career growing up. There were only three careers, really. You could be a lawyer, a doctor, or a wife and a mother. That's what it seemed. Those well, were you were born the in the fifties? <laughs> I wasn't even at all the eighties, but it was still just like, you do this. Oh, salesperson was the other one. Okay. Um, and my entire family fits into one of those four categories. I'm the only one who's the writer. Um, you are so the black sheep. What do they think of I'm you now? <laughs> what do they think of you now that you're published and you're big time famous? Mic drop. <laughs> my dad still humbles me constantly where he called me the other day and he was like, you weren't on the Today Show. And I'm like, what? And he was like, a New York Times columnist was there talking about the best books of 2022 and you weren't mentioned. And I was like, thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's not that's not humbling. I got to say, that's kind of, that's bordering on insult. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think he meant it as such. I think he just, he just, uh, I don't know. You know, I wrote about him in the book. I feel like I came to terms with his character. Uh, and now I just ex- radically accept what he says and does. Radical acceptance. That's something I am working on so hard. And I can never, it's, I, I do radical resentment really well. 
But radical <laughs> acceptance is harder. <laughs> radical acceptance, once you get in the habit, mm-hmm. is it's so I was gonna say easy. It isn't easy, but it's um very freeing when you realize when you can't change something and you can no longer spin your wheels and you cannot find the solution on the level of the problem. You just accept it. And then it's no longer a problem. Uh, I mean, I'm simplifying it and I've only read the introduction to radical acceptance. Um, and I do listen to the author's podcast on the regular. So I feel like I've absorbed the lessons. So there's a guy um, that wrote a book called radical acceptance acceptance. And fun, then he made a pun. Funny. You assume that it's a man. It's a woman. Yeah. Tara Brock. I, I thought well, only dudes book. are intelligent. I didn't know women. Were. I know. I know. I'm always trying to correct that error. <laughs> That's what my mission is in life, going around correcting men. Wait, women can be men. more than housewives? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, Tony. <laughs> I'm here to break the news. Yeah. Uh, so Tara, she knows everything. She's my podcast mom. Um, and... Uh, I highly, highly recommend her book and her podcast. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I've been reading about radical acceptance for years and it's and it's a part of a lot of therapy stuff. So that's why I was like, I'm like, oh, somebody took the title and then made a podcast, huh? And then I was thinking to myself, what can I do? What can I situate myself to? What can you do radically? <laughs> yeah, what can, let's see. Is there any NLP podcast? <laughs> I, which I suck at, but it's so interesting to me. The n- neuro linguistic linguistic programming, because I grew up in a cult, so I'm like very aware of all of that. So, are you going to make a Netflix series about it, a docu series? Uh, there's a, a there's an Amazon Prime film about um, about it that I wrote. Wait, you, know you just cut out because I said series and Siri thought I was talking to him and he tried to help me with something. So what did you say? <laughs> no, I, th- there's a there's a film on Amazon about it that I wrote. Yes, I knew about the film, but I was yeah. wondering if there would be the Netflix version. Uh, no, a series. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> I'm working on something that has nothing to do with Jehovah's Witnesses or cults right now. And it's so freeing. So yeah, fun. I was gonna say, does it feel good to move on from something you fixated on, lived, turned into art? Yeah, well, I mean, they're two different things because I don't feel like I can ever totally move on, but I have to kind of accept what's in my DNA and go, oh, that's why my mind and body is, you know, sparking these things and creating huge anxiety, and but that's not reality. I, I, I got to do a lot of self-dialogue in like just in life, but like doing it as on an art level was just, it wasn't easy at all. It's brutal. Um, yeah. Cause I'm trying to craft a good story. I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting there. You know, I don't want to woe is me. I want to put people in there and go, and then they could, they could make their own assessments. You know, it's uh, I mean, when, when I found out that people thought I was still a Jehovah's witness after they read the book or saw the film, I was like, there were like, I mean, even ex-Jehovah's Witnesses were like, oh, that dude's still a Jehovah's Witness. And I'm like, yeah, because I like that. I like that. I like the nuance and vagueness of it. You know, I'm like, good, good. The story worked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like when people think I haven't changed with my book. Well, it depends what people. I mean, these are just, you know, idiot reviewers on uh, the Internet. I mean, you know, people. In, that's, that's who I'm talking people. about. I'm talking about those people. Oh, the idiot interviewers you care 
I don't know. Okay, no. In 2023, I don't care. Yeah. 2022, I this whole year. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned something that I don't know if I'm ready to put it into words. I'm obviously going to try now. Um, Okay, so from all my meditating and listening to, I've been getting very into the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I necessarily want to believe believe it wholeheartedly or believe that I can practice it I don't know but I like a lot of what it says the it's philosophy and it's like lifestyle and it's way of thinking which to me mimics a lot of dbt dialectical behavioral mm-hmm. theory theory that's not right therapy Cognitive therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> um of course so um This idea that, okay, so we meditate to get quiet and we get quiet so we can hear like our true selves speak or we can be receptive to to something bigger than our quotidian worries, something bigger than social media noise and the news and stuff like that. and that we get quiet to hear the truth. And I'm like, yes, I don't know. For so many years, and I think we all think this, and it's easy to think this because the world tells us to think what everyone else thinks and that they know the truth. There's a consensus, even though, even if you know better and you know everybody's an idiot, uh, including yourself, you still fall into that conformity of thinking and being and um it's especially just so easy when you get on social media and for five seconds you uh, just immediately merge with the thoughts feelings um wants and needs of everybody else in the world so then um but and i just love this clarifying idea that i got while listening to a podcast on the law of attraction that the truth is in the silence and it's and we know the truth like our inner being knows the truth um And when we allow ourselves to get quiet, we know what's real. And I was like, I know the truth. And it's not everybody on Goodreads. That's the noise. And the noise is the bullshit. And I was like, that just felt so freeing. Yeah. No, I am so into the the law. I mean, like the, like energy. I mean, we're all energetic beings and I'm so into the idea of what we attract and what we repel. And if, um, if, if, you know, if I find myself attracting something into my life and it's bad and I, it's like, I can't, bl- I, you know, yeah, I can blame a little bit like what's happening, you know, on the situation and on the person. But at the same time, I'm like, I go back to me and I go, what have I been not working on myself where I allowed that in my life? And I, cause I just, I kind of want to keep upping my game where I want to repel those type of people where they, where they see me. And, and I, and I feel it, you know, it was funny the other day. I can't mention total name. I can't mention any names on this, but somebody told me someone did something really crappy to a mutual friend. And it, and it was big time crappy. It was like career shattering crappy. This person had a lot of power. And the first time I met this person, I felt it. I was like this, I don't like this guy. And I was like, wow, that's weird. Then I assumed it was my problem. And I went, 
you know what? No, no, no. I'm being the problem because make and and I assumed that I was like maybe jealous or envious of certain things that this person had. So then, all right. And then, <clears throat> and then I did end up hanging out with him and he was, he, I like enjoyed his company and I didn't hang out. I haven't hung out with him that much, but we did have, um, I, I, we went out to, <clears throat> we went out to lunch once. And then, then I heard this happened this last week and I went, my gut was right. Wow. And I, it's just, and it's just another thing that you get, that is just like when we, when we really step inside ourselves and let our inner truth speak, because we get, it, it speaks faster than we can think, you know? And it's just mm-hmm. like, don't, you know, it's rely on those, rely on that energy, rely on that. It's a trip blows my mind. I know. I know. And it's, it's so easy to forget and to dilute it or to tune it out and to just like take on all the stimuli and react to that constantly and constantly be like in a reactive state as opposed to like a receptive listening, quiet, um, positive energy attracting state. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. I had like a similar experience where the job that I write about in my book, Hysterical by Alyssa Bassist, I originally, by who? when I, Alyssa Bassist, oh, okay, um, <laughs> um, I, the job I write about, I applied for an internship there and I was rejected, but I ended up getting an internship at an affiliate that was connected. So I would ultimately get a job there. And I'm like, I wish I had just taken that rejection. Like that, that was not my path. That was not right for me. And oh, I, and that it was actually like a blessing or a dark teacher showing me to like go mm-hmm. another way. At the same time, because what you've done is you've created something positive out of negative experiences. Um, does that, does, does that, is there a like, oh wait, maybe I needed to experience that so I can get the word out to the world about it where others can learn and be helped. Now I think that. Yeah. Because I wanted to do something with it. I didn't want it just to be my bad experience. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting what you were saying about your own work and how like people who make art out of their lives are often said like we're not as creative we're not as imaginative as novelists um but I'm like aren't we in a sense doing something harder where we have to take something that happened to us where we have such high emotional stakes and then turn it into art and then turn it into something that someone else will like and listen to and we have to be neutral in in many ways about it and I'm like that to me seems like a lot of creative acrobatics that novelists don't have to do I mean their work is equally hard I just don't like that nonfiction writers get get the reputation of being like the lesser artists I'm like we're doing something that's really hard who who says this I have not heard oh I feel like this is this is at least what was going around when I worked in publishing. And I felt like I really picked that up as a nonfiction writer where I felt Mm -hmm. like the real writers wrote fiction 
and created worlds as opposed to just replicating them or writing about what is and critiquing what is like that was less than. Hmm. I've never worked in publishing though. So, I mean, I had my own, I had my own like web zine for 10 years, which was just me doing my thing, but yeah, I mean, I did what, I mean, I wrote for the Chronicle and other stuff and that was, uh, um, what do you call it? Enjoyable, but I needed also like after about a hundred articles, I'm like, now I just need the money. <laughs> How do I get out of this? <laughs> I love not writing for money. I loved when I got a teaching job and didn't feel like I needed to get money for my writing. What are you teaching right now? I'm teaching. I teach at the new school. I teach mm -hmm. online through Catapult, through 92nd Street Y, the Lighthouse Writers Workshop, various oh, other yeah. pop-ups. I need to get my resume to the Lighthouse. They're in Denver, right? Yes. Because another friend of mine was just like, get your resume in because they need screenwriting uh, instructors <gasps> right now. And I teach at yes. UCLA Extension Screenwriting. So. Yes. And they're expanding. They just got this new, big, beautiful building that was millions of dollars. And it's basically like a writing school. And it's awesome. And the people there are so nice. The yeah. people who run it, the teachers, the students, it's such a great community. I've only heard good things. Yeah. That's cool. What yeah, and what, what what do you teach? You teach uh, memoir and nonfiction. I teach jokes. I teach um, Com comedy writing. I teach short conceptual humor writing, so like parody, satire, character monologue. I teach funny personal essays, fun, tragic comic memoir. I teach a class called. I want to take your funny class. Time. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, tragic, pl tragic plus time? Tragedy yeah. plus time. Yeah, yeah. We learn how to turn our tragedies into comedies or at least more entertaining tragedies. Yeah, yeah. It's very fun. It's very dark. It brings us, you know, I think that brings us together as humanity on so many levels because we are all in the tragic human condition in whatever sense we are in. And if we can just spin it and go, and this is so weird and stupid, you know, it's just like we can all embrace our stupidity and the, our collective stupidity and just be like, ah, okay. I mean, I just, I just got done taking clown classes, um, which sound, yeah, it sounds like, you know, no, it's not Bozo the Clown type stuff. It's the clowning and getting into your vulnerable self and presenting. And it's just, it blew my mind. Like improv classes and clowning classes are just like, I tell all my students, I'm like, at least take an improv class. Cause it will change how you write. It will, it will, it will shift your mind. Yeah. Yes. I tell my students this too. I started taking improv when I was getting my MFA in creative nonfiction because I was such a humorless asshole and I needed to lighten up and, um, I took improv 101 and then did like the whole program and took sketch classes. Cause I felt mm. like I loved that community. It was so supportive. Um, and I learned so much about writing and about living and I read all the books. It's incredible philosophy. Yeah. I love it so much. And I just saw one of the best living clowns today working Kate Berlant had uh, -huh. uh she has a one-woman show called Kate. Yeah. That's in New York right now, um, directed by Bo Burnham. And she is unbelievable. The, the, what she the, can do with her face is defies the human body. I mean, she's just a light. I yeah. love her. 
It's such a craft. Yeah. Then my stupid friends were like, oh, what are you going to do? Birthdays now? And I'm like, oh, no, yeah. they uh, <laughs> clowns are geniuses. Yeah. Like it's... they like can express the full spectrum of human emotion and uh, like what they can communicate in their face and in their body. Uh, 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 uh. I, I have only reverence for them. <laughs> I love you. Uh, uh, uh. And, ho- and hopefully, you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll try to get a blurb off of you for my next book and they'll just say, uh, uh, uh. And then, <laughs> and then only people will know you. will be like, oh, wow. And then other people will be like, what kind of blurb is this? Highest praise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I feel like that's like, like, that's how Jews compliment. That's what we do. We just throw our hands in the air oh. and exclaim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the hand emojis in between. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Wait, um, so did you take these classes when you were in New York or in San Francisco? In New York. I took one improv class in San Francisco with the woman who started the pirate store, Yosh Han, and we went to Bats Improv. Oh, I love Bats. Yeah, it was yeah. so much fun. I yeah. felt like I like, I was like, this is my true calling. I never went back. Mm. I had like the greatest time. I, and I don't know why I didn't go back because I was like, I found my home. Um, yeah. It might be because I was moving to New York shortly. And then when I, once I got here, I started taking classes at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Yeah. the um, I did, my first ones were at BATS. And that's Bay Area Theater Sports. And that's the Keith Johnstone method. Have you read his books? No. Oh my God. Uh, Impro by Keith Johnstone is like mind blowing. Writing yeah. Stone. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, 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 um, yeah. That's I took that that class, and then that blew my mind, and I was just like, oh, okay. I mean, that was over twenty years ago when I took a area theater sports class. So yeah, Back my, when I, I, lived, I was I, fifteen years ago. Oh yeah. At bats, yeah. Yeah. When did you leave San Francisco? 2010. Oh, August okay. 1st, 2010. I left in uh, September, thir- September 13th, 2013. Uh, <laughs> do you, pour one do you, out for San Francisco. Well, I love San, I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area and I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm always a San Franciscan at heart, but do you feel like, San Francisco was just being drained of everything, like just creatively. I I just, I felt like there was no place for anyone who wanted to go beyond what, you know, go beyond, you know, it's just like, are you, well, you're not Daniel Handler or Amy Tan. What do you think you're going to do here? It's just like, yeah, you're right. See ya. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I felt like I had worked for everyone I could work for, did everything I could do, did every show did every internship and there was nothing left. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, if you're not certain big name people, then go elsewhere. So I was like, cool, I'm out. Um, but I have to say, I missed it every day for years and years and years. Yeah. And I had to tell myself that San Francisco has lost its creative energy. It has, um, it's now way too expensive. It's now a place for tech. And I think that's true. But every time I visit, it still feels great to be back. And I, 
I love all the people who stayed. Yeah, it's it, but the friend the friends are the things that keep me going back to San Francisco because I just crave that. And and it's just, and it's always cracks me up because I'm so LA now. So like you know, hey, well let's go drinking. Well okay, you know, and then I'll I'll go out and that, and there'll be three beers in and I'll still be sipping my first beer and they'll be like, Tony, what are you doing? I'm like, what? Oh, that's right, we don't drive. <laughs> it's like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, at in the end of at the end of the day, it's a healthier lifestyle anyway. So it's just like, all right, sippity. Yeah, sip, here sip. we can drink. All, all of it. Yeah, in New York. Yeah. Now, do you think, now, San Francisco, I always felt like was a very drinking town. Is New York a very drinking town? Yes. Yes and yes, both. Yeah. I really hit my drinking primes in both places. Yeah, yeah. I got really into drugs in San Francisco. Bless San Francisco. Yeah. What kind of drugs? I was president of my anti-drugs and anti-alcohol group in high school. Yeah. And I grew up in Colorado, which made me a real bummer. Because we were the first to legalize weed and I didn't understand the power of weed. I just was like, it's bad for our brains. Um, And I guess that's true, but I feel like I missed out. And I even in college, I barely dabbled. Huge regret. I just went back to my alma mater and visited three classes. And all of the students were like, what are your biggest regrets? Because I was like, ask me anything, including personal questions. And I was always like, I wish I did more drugs and had more sex. Like what an incredible environment where you're around all of these like attractive intellectuals and you have all this access to drugs and so few consequences uh, for the most part. I, why I would, I, and I was like, do more drugs, have more sex with more people, all the people, every kind of person say no to nothing. <laughs> uh, and then one teacher was like, wish you had not have said that. <laughs> yeah. But, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, such a, it's such a primal thing at that age. It's, it's, it's well, like, you know, I, I did this cause I mean, I didn't have sex till I got married and that was when I was 25. And then I got divorced when I was 38. So like the second person I had sex with, I was 38 years old. And then I went, oh, this is sex. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I think we then. all have that moment of being like, oh, this is sex. It takes a while of having sex to get there. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, I could have done this in my early 20s and found it out. Oh, well. All uh, right. Yes. Another, I know. I'm like, I could have been doing one. this in college. Yeah. I could have had orgies. I just could have done so much more. I, just I don't know about orgies. Truly that's, that's I think tackled. I could have had orgies. Really? Yeah. Cause that's, like, Oh yes. That's like juggling. And I don't want, <laughs> I, 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 I'm just, that's I'm, the only time in my life I could have done it though. Yeah, yeah. I could have at least gone to a sex party. I know they were rampant in San Francisco, but by then I was just coming out of my show. I was, was never already invited. Too old. <laughs> Oh, I like, I only heard tale of, like, okay. I didn't, I didn't know where any were, like I wasn't yeah. ever given a location. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I, <laughs> no one invited and I me when I, I ever divorced. showed up. I wouldn't have, I would have been like in and out, yeah. pun intended. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think in college, yeah, I just wish, you know, I don't know. What can you do? Easier well, said than done. Yeah, it's it's regret, but uh, at the same time, then there's then there's life ahead, which I didn't, you know, at the time, at the time when I was 38, I thought, you know, it's just like, oh, my God, I'm way too old. This is all over. And it's just kind of like 
actually, no, it's not. It was kind of just beginning and it's kind of mind blowing to think that, you know? Yeah. I now think life is long mm-hmm. and I definitely think I'm going to be that woman in the assisted living, living facility who's 80 and spreading gonorrhea to everyone. Yeah. I think that's my future. Yeah. Via urine samples. No, I'm going to put my vagina on everyone all the time. <laughs> you got to, you got to, you got to let me know what old age home you're at. Cause I may, I may. <laughs> I just know that that's really, um, yeah. when I'm a very late bloomer and that's, that's yeah, my yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to go to the Alyssa, Alyssa vagina place. <laughs> I'm going to inspire others, though. I feel like there are a lot of late bloomers like me uh-huh. who were like scared of sex, who had bad experiences, who had to process all that. And then they're at the assisted living facility and they are ready to get down. I wish I was like totally attracted to women in their 70s and 80s because I well- talked to these women in their 70s and 80s. And I'm just like sitting there going, Oh my God, we're on the same page. I really wish that like I had a primal desire for you. Oh, don't you think you will when you're in your 70s and 80s? At the time, yeah. Age appropriate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. You it's just like right have to now, wait again. Life is long. Exactly. Yeah. Like right now, it's like, you know, people in their 30s. I'm like, I don't want to talk. Talking to you is like crazy. You might be in your 30s. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I am 38 and a half. Yeah, I see 38 and a half. So that's, you know, in a, in a couple of years, you'll be maturing in your 40s. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll get over my wild. No, no, it's just, it, 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 it's not, you know, it's like when you look back on people in their 20s and you just kind of go, oh, I've already been through that. I, I, oh, I've, yeah. been, I've been through what you're worried about, you know, and it's, and uh, you kind of want to hang with the people who are worried about the same things and also kind of have the same history where it's just like, you're, you know, remember Nirvana? <laughs> I sort of have the opposite problem or situation, I should say. Mm-hmm. So like most people my age are married on their second kid. So I mm-hmm. have had to go lower. I now have to be friends with people in their early thirties, late twenties, because we're on the same life trajectory Oh, and we have the same hopes and dreams, which is not marriage and not children. So I've had to do that. And but then we will often come at an impasse where they don't know who Nirvana is. And that is hard for me. Right, right. Oh, I like the Foo Fighters. Yeah, Dave Grohl's a great drummer. He drums. <laughs> Get out of my house. I know knows him as an author. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> now there, now there's a place we can punish people for not doing the work. <laughs> I really, most, most by bi, most biographies, even when they're co-written or ghost-written or uh, with about the music scene, I'm just like, uh, you know, by, by the, by the music stars themselves. I'm just like, it just hurts. It hurts. I can't read that. I stuff. know. I, you know, I, So my publisher published at the same time my book, the guy who founded Fallout Boy. Okay. Vaguely. What's his name? I don't know. I feel so sorry for him that I can't remember his name at this time in the evening on a Monday, the day after a holiday. Um, And 
Uh, yeah, I just, I remember we were like presenting our books and he like talked and I just really wanted to hear him play. I mean, I right. really love Fallout Boy. <laughs> no, it's, I've been going to these industry screenings because it's award season right now. And it's just like, you see a lot of these young actors and actresses and it's just like, they're doing their Q and A's and I'm like, Shh, don't talk. If you're quiet. <laughs> If you're quiet, people will vote for you because no one wrote what you're saying right now. But they're great actors. They but they could take a script, you know, but they have one over on me because they could take a script and make it something emotionally beautiful. And so they have that that I don't have. But well, we need each other. I've yes. written for actors, celebrities, and mm -hmm. they really don't know how to write. Yeah. Many of them, and they really, really need us. And yeah. it feels great to be so needed and to have and like a skill that, that a lot of people really don't have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to then see you them. see them deliver it and you're like, Oh, that's why who you are, who you are. And I, who, and I am who I am, but like, you do need me. Yeah. I don't need you, but. Well, we, 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 we need them if uh, uncertain. I mean, when you hear them deliver dialogue and it's just like, Oh, you're making me look so good right now. Oh yeah, that's that's true. That's very true. <laughs> They're like, wow, that was genius. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. You know, that was a screenplay. They took it to a new level. It's cool to see them act. Yeah. <laughs> you're right now now in New York. Are you from New York? Where are you from? No, not even. Denver, Colorado. We're the weed. Oh, that's weed right. That's right. Legalized. We're the weed. We're the weed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we forgot to find out what, what, what drugs were you in in San Francisco? Were you total like junkie when I saw oh, you? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. This is the thing. Um, I was all, I just got into pot and like edibles oh, okay. and I, yeah. there was the truffle man who I ended up knowing pretty well. I did MDMA. That was awesome. Wish I did that way more. See, I haven't done that. And I've, and I've heard about that. And I do want to try microdosing like shrooms and stuff things i still haven't done and uh, oh, it's yeah. like and i'm not a great pot smoker like i mean i enjoy it once in a while i like if it's a doom if i'm going to see doom metal band i want to get high and i want <laughs> and i just and i just love the droning because i don't know if i've been there for five minutes or four days like time just that time shift is fun but whenever whenever i go to the pot store i get like a gram and they look because i look i look like someone who knows yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, this is gonna last me like six months, and I'm probably gonna throw half of this out. And they're like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, no, I'm not good at this. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> I'm still not good at it. Yeah. I wish I had like, like I see people who are good at it, and they have the supplies, they have the grinder thing, they like know. I I like truly don't know how to like how to like load a pipe. I don't know. I don't know how to roll a thing. Yeah. I don't know any of that. The role that rolling it is learning. just like that's like just a step that's like genius people. Yes, there's a I one of my favorite movies of all time is called Igby Goes Down and Claire I love Davis that it. movie. <laughs> Isn't it so good? And then she yeah. rolls her character rolls perfect joints. Yeah, Igby that's goes like what down. she's known. So <laughs> I have I have such a crush on her. What was her name? Sookie. Her her character Sookie. name was Sookie. Yeah. Yes, it was like Sookie Saperstein. Yeah. That movie was. Uh, I loved. So Kieran, good. I felt like I discovered Kieran Culkin. I know that he was first in Home Alone and Father of the Bride. I just feel like everyone got really on board with him with Succession, and I was like, he's Igby. Yeah. And I like memorized all of his lines. He was. Uh, 
I love that movie so much. And, and Amanda Pete and Jeff Goldblum in that movie are so Yeah, perfect. Susan Sarandon, Ryan Philippe. Right. Oh, my God. That's right. All-star cast. What now? Is Macaulay Culkin doing stuff now? Have I, I, That was Kieran Culkin. Who's oh, Kieran. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Macaulay oh, Culkin, He's like out, right? He was just... I've seen him do some know. stuff. He's around. I mean, he like shows up on podcasts here and there. I don't uh, know if he's still doing acting or not. I feel like he just did something recently and I was like overjoyed about it. Did he play a drug dealer in something? I think he did, like within the last few years. Maybe like he wasn't he like in Party Monster? I th- yes. There's another one. There's Good. Rory and the low the youngest one. If I need a trivia partner, that that's it right there. That, I that do was, know a lot. That was like that was going <laughs> deep. That was like you just tapped subconscious synopsis in your brain. That was like, I watched that happen uh, in, in real time. Wow. I have a weird <laughs> amount of information of like useless, yeah, trivial, trivial information yeah. in my <laughs> head. Yeah, yeah. I have like, I also have a really cool party trick where at the beginning of any movie, whether I've seen it or not, in the credits, I can tell you what movie it is. Really? Yeah. Probably not, not any new. Movie. Not new. It has yeah. to be like pre like 2010. And I can tell you between huh. like 2010 and like 1980. Okay. Wow. It's still cool. Sense. It's still, it's still really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> if, like if that, like star 80 with Eric Roberts, would you know that? Oh, no, I know Eric Roberts, but no. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was Muriel. I think that was Muriel Hemingway's, uh, kind of movie too i just remember that because it was so erotic when i was a when i was in puberty and i was just like oh, i need yeah. to see the, the, the trailer for star 80 just like you know sent <laughs> testosterone bouncing all over my <laughs> and I, I still haven't seen the movie and i don't know why it just came to my head see now there's a oh. now, now there's something i just attracted star 80 to myself and is that a good thing or is that a bad thing or is that a core memory oh that's good I mean, I feel like my core sexual memory, like when I became a woman, when I like felt my body as a body was with the Corys, Corey Ham and Corey <gasps> Feldman. That's a good one. Yeah. Those, those they are the, really it, got, in, in got like me. Lost, uh, what was the uh, Lost Boys? Yeah, and that. Yeah. Then there was, they were like in this movie that was like pornographic with, the older sister and who's the boss not who's the boss um charles in charge was that adventures in- oh, oh no no okay uh, i don't i don't know that no, no. It, i don't even remember the name it was very scandalous it was the three of them it was like e mama tambien but for the 80s no way and the two Corys <laughs> are in it yes what do you think of Corey feldman's music stuff now i have not listened to it have you seen him perform in any? You haven't. You've missed all of this even before COVID. I am not. He performs. He's got like a whole music career. He's. He, but- I'm, I'm mad at him because he's like. Um, he refuses. No. What's his take on Michael Jackson? That he did nothing, or that he's right. He he says nothing happened. He's a denier. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't like that. Now, so you believe Michael Jackson. Oh, so Macaulay Culkin is also a denier. Well, at least Macaulay Culkin says nothing happened to me. Right. Now, 
Michael Jackson's a weird one. I still need to watch that one documentary that just came out, but there was only two, two dudes in that documentary that so many people have said no. And I don't know if they've gotten paid off or if um, it's true, but it's still, it, I mean, at the same time, even if he, even if he didn't penetrate, I mean, and do the, all that weird stuff, it's still a little too weird. Oh no. The stuff he did was really weird. And like the Oprah, the Oprah specials with the two boys, it's, yeah. they really get into it and it yeah. was very bad. Huh. You know, and I don't I, remember exactly what it was because I have seen by now so many similar documentaries yeah. where X person did disgusting things. I can't even like separate them in my mind. Now, the, and the thing with Michael Jackson was it, he was hiding his al major alcoholism and drug addiction too. I mean, when he was when he was drinking a Coke can that was full of wine, so he was oh. he was always buzzed. Oh. So so it's just like with that bad things could have happened and he couldn't he may not he may have been in a blackout and can still go no i just have him on my roller coaster in my backyard no i think he like he really was a groomer and a predator like yeah. the way that it is like how it happened over so many years and like the accounts are so detailed and yeah. there was like a lot going on and i'm sure i mean hurt people hurt people Right. And he was certainly a hurt individual. Well, he grew up Jehovah's Witness, and I still believe he had Jehovah's Witness problems in his head. I, it, like part of me, I was just like, I wish I could have talked to him. I did go to the car. I did visit the congregation he was in when I was still in. He was in Woodland Hills. And um, and so I like I kind of in like in the this was probably in the um, where would this be? Mid 80s. I knew everyone who was his friends in the congregation. So, but I didn't, I, I never met him, but I knew he went, still went out preaching and like, you know, uh, wearing a mask and doing all that weird stuff. Jehovah's Witnesses is weird anyway. And then you put Michael Jackson in and it's even weirder. But, um, but I think that, I think, you know, that does not excuse any bad behavior, but I do feel like that there's things in his, uh, you know, when you get, when you hit that level of celebrity, you get too much yes. And man, yeah. some people need to be slapped. Just like a good backhand. <laughs> you know, not Chris Rock, but you know, others. I was just gonna say <laughs> I have controversial opinions on that. I'll keep that. Really? To oh, okay. Let's let's uh, that'll be the end of the show. Okay. But who who's in the wrong? Uh Chris Rock or Will Smith? I'm keeping it to myself. Oh, <laughs> I'm you're doing not, what more people should do. You're right. You're mm -hmm. set. You're you. What you're doing is you're setting an example for maturity, for for forward progress in society, for peace. I'm on being Earth. the change I want to see in the world. You're like you're you're. After this, you're going to attract so much abundance. <laughs> and I, and, and, I'm all and, about and, that abundance. <laughs> I love. I still love the word abundance, even though it's you know. Abundance is it's cool. It's a great word. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I love grace. Grace is good. Yeah. Yeah. I like saying grace. Oh, I don't say it. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I forgot how to say it. I used to have to say it before every meal. It was just like, oh. oh I never learned. Yeah. That's right, because you grew up in a progressive Jewish family. Exactly. Oh. Yes. 
I have envy. I had envy <laughs> for that experience. I mean, I have shit to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll be in part two. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Tony. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Elizabeth Ceased on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, Hysterical, a memoir. Remember, January 14th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. London time. Join my Kickstart Your Novel workshop for $15. Go to TonyDuchesne.com or DrinksWithTony.com to register. That is $15 for a Kickstart Your Novel workshop. And that is on January 14th. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Keep storytelling. Keep absorbing absorbing books. Just, just 
it's so much fun. That sounded weird. That sounded too weird. That was kind of like oddly sexual, and I apologize. I like to publicly apologize. So there. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.